Welcome to Lessons from the Helpful Dead, where you'll learn the world is not what it seems, and you are much more than you think you are. Here you'll learn about positive and reassuring messages from supposedly dead people whose main purpose is to help us. Find out what happens after we die, why we're here, how we got here, where we're going, and discover that you are really a powerful, eternal spirit. I'm Dan McEnany. Today we'll talk about evil and what a subject it is. It seems to be all around us in so many ways. And a lot of people have trouble with the notion of so much evil they see all around them, uh, reconciling that with the notion of a a good God, a benevolent creator. So let me uh, try to address this subject uh, as best I can from a certain perspective. Today we have China treating the uh, members of the Falun Gong belief system, or the Falun Dafa, uh, terribly, uh, even to the extent of removing their organs while they are alive, to then sell them uh, or give them to members of the Chinese Communist Party. We've also got Putin invading Ukraine and killing, torturing, or displacing millions. This, of course, is nothing new, and when I wrote my first book, uh, the evil was exemplified most dramatically uh, by the butcher of the Balkans, Milosevic, who uh, completed his sadistic torture and attempted wholesale massacre of all the Albanian inhabitants of Kosovo. Reports were at that time that 10,000 or more may have been murdered, uh, small potatoes, Uh, by some of today's statistics. At any rate, uh, those of us who thought perhaps the days of Hitler and Stalin were behind us, we were brought up short, as we are again uh, by the likes of Putin and the Chinese Communist Party. Back then, we also uh, witnessed the specter of ordinary people, Kosovo inhabitants, seeking a revenge uh, on Milosevic, uh, killing Serbs whether or not those Serbs were perpetrators of the evil deeds that were committed against them. Now, at the same time, Russia was bombing Chechnya, claiming they're rebels, but it appears uh, once again uh, that a lot of innocent people always seem to be suffering. In Europe, the Middle East, Africa, and many other places around the globe, killings uh, just as senseless and brutal as those committed, committed in the 1940s during World War II, they're being carried out in the 21st century. In many parts of the world, ruthless gangs of thugs parading as soldiers are given full reign to slit throats, rape, murder at random, send families with little children off into the snow homeless, and burn their homes. There seems to be no shred of human decency in them. In recent decades, ISIS is one of the most dramatic examples. So what can the big picture provide us that would help us understand this? Well, it's not easy to explain, but the big picture perspective uh, can, <clears throat> can provide us a framework in which even the most horrible of atrocities, such as we've seen in recent decades, can be viewed as part of something larger that makes sense from the perspective of an all-loving, all-powerful creator, as difficult as that might seem to understand. 
Well, the framework of the, the big picture perspective is this. Imagine a split screen. On the left side is a vast expanse of emptiness, nothing, where nothing ever happens. No forms or shapes exist. No energies are present. No feelings, emotions, thoughts, nothing, forever and ever. On the right side is a field of activities, emotions, events, feelings, bodies, and consciousness forms so rich and varied that it is overwhelming just to behold them. There is every joy known to man and other species. Celebrations, parties, weddings, galas, sports events, picnics, fairs, carnivals, pure and heroic romances, reunions with all degrees of positive emotions, anticipation of fantastic voyages, and much more. But, in part of this right-side screen, the parts designated as free will zones, there are also some horrible events. Murders, killing, tortures, rapes, such as those we've talked about a moment ago. Now, you know that in those parts, the atrocities experienced by the inhabitants are illusions, camouflage realities. And that as terrible as they are for the inhabitants to experience, and they are terrible, you also perceive and feel at the same time their joy, relief, love, and forgiveness in a, quote, future, close quote, where the focus of their greater consciousness is turned outside this illusion, beyond it, to a greater bedrock reality. Now, you have the power to make either screen real. One is eternal emptiness, the other contains untold joys. But because it is necessary to give the inhabitants free will to co-create what they experience on that right-hand screen, it also contains horrible suffering. Illusory and temporary, yes, but real, very real to the inhabitants while they participate in this great manifestation. Remember now, at the same time you perceive the atrocities in this illusory free will zone, you also perceive the same inhabitants in a larger, more real reality, where they understand the atrocities were only an illusion they agreed to experience in order to know certain emotions. So, you're the creator, right? What do you do? Do you opt for the left side screen for eternal emptiness? Or do you opt for the right hand screen where in some little parts of it, in a temporary illusion game, you perceive uh, the likes of uh, the Chinese Communist Party, the likes of Putin, the likes of Hitler, Stalin, Milosevic, and so forth. <clears throat> of course, you're an all-powerful creator, remember, so you also perceive at the same time the larger versions of Hitler... Stalin and Putin and thousands of brutal dictators just like them spread across the centuries where those larger versions have learned their lessons and become part of the universal goodness that exists beyond the human time-space illusion. Now our creator opted for the right-hand side and at this moment in our temporary illusion our tiny little, little bit of the whole we're co-creating a world that for some reason known to our larger selves contains the experience of these tyrants and dictators. Now, the big picture perspective won't erase the rage we feel about these atrocities. Knowing uh, that the perpetrators are losing points on the big scoreboard and that it may take them many lifetimes to regain lost ground, that doesn't help a whole lot either. If anything, it only makes you feel sorry for them but it does provide a glimmer of understanding about how all this can coexist with a benevolent creator. In fact, the existence of horrible events uh, such as these that I've described, 
that brings home to us most vividly how the big picture perspective provides answers for anyone who's struggling with the why of it all. Consider for a moment many of its basic concepts. To start with, just understanding that ours is a camouflage reality helps somewhat. Now, consider that we are all co-creators and that we are buying in to certain mass hallucinations in order to play our human time-space illusion game. The dramatic, intense, brutal acts of war are just as much a hallucination viewed by our, our quote, 3D glasses, our bodies, just as much a, a hallucination as are the less dramatic events and objects, such as mountains and deserts and commuting to work. Next, consider that we get what we focus upon. The souls who entered into those bodies, which are now experiencing the horrors, did so for their purposes in this lifetime, with some foreknowledge of the probable events. That does not mean we stand aside and do nothing to help, quite the opposite. Knowing they're part of us makes it all the more important that we act to help them. Now remember, at the focused personality level, many do not know the reasons their big self chose to enter this reality. But in attempting to comprehend vicious war and somehow align it with the notion of a benevolent creator, it helps us to understand that the major players, the big selves, are willing participants, where consciousness energizes these human bodies, both victims and attackers, and they have reasons for participating. Next, consider that in the larger bedrock reality from which ours springs, at some level everything is one. This means that the perpetrators of the atrocities are actually killing, torturing, and raping themselves. Next, consider that time and space don't exist except for purposes of our human time-space illusion game. That means in other time frames and other bodies, but in the larger sense also right now and right here, these same entities are playing out similarly dramatic stories most likely with the victim and attacker roles being reversed. We're perceiving one small part of a larger event. Now this is an important point and it will help you put evil in perspective if you keep the following picture in your mind. Imagine a huge ball, huge ball rather. That's, a, this, that's the total event. Now imagine one tiny spot on the surface of that ball. Well, that's the part of the event we experience. Next, imagine yourself looking at this tiny portion of the event, but through special glasses that distort everything, so that forms and actions do not appear as they really are, but instead present an illusion. That's what our five senses do. That's the situation we're in when we observe what we consider evil. We're experiencing a distortion of a tiny portion of the whole event. Following from that, consider this. Every focused personality eventually gets through this human time-space illusion and unites with other, other parts of its big self in a reality where evil is known not to exist. That means, right now, right here, the worst of the attackers understand the wrongs they committed, have already learned whatever lessons they needed to learn from it, have been forgiven and have forgiven others for similar things that may have happened to them in their victim roles in other camouflage realities, and all is well. Finally, consider this. 
The realities we perceive spring out from us. We are the source of what we perceive. In the deeper bedrock reality, we are united with everything we perceive. We're spirit, where murders cannot be committed. Whatever we are experiencing here is a product of our ability to focus and project outward, including our worst fears and most volatile emotions. In fact, it may be difficult even to consider or think about it, but it's quite possible that horrible wars and other atrocities may be the events we, quote, need, close quote, to restore balance between our world and the larger one in which we also exist. We need something to increase the flow between the two and bring more harmony into our little world. We need something to make us realize the true nature of reality, to make us see beyond the illusion, beyond the flesh and bones, concrete world that we perceive. Wars and other painful events can serve that purpose by being so horrible that they force us to look beyond the immediately perceived world that they help us to come closer to understanding firsthand our own deeper and larger selves and the deeper and larger realities in which they reside. So the big picture perspective allows us to live with some understanding of the greater permanent reality in which we all exist. That understanding provides hope and optimism even in the face of the worst atrocities imaginable because we know that the existence of those atrocities does not negate the existence of an all-powerful, all-loving creator. And with that understanding, when it's time for us to transition <coughs> via death to the larger bedrock reality, the transition will be a lot smoother. The progress we make as spirits, both here and in the larger reality of which ours is a part, will be greater. The resulting satisfaction and the joy we experience will also be that much greater. That's what the big picture perspective can do for you when it comes to thinking about evil. It doesn't make the horrific acts acceptable. It won't prevent the feelings of profound sorrow and anguish and anger. But when it comes to our human attempts to process wars and atrocities, to make some sense of them, to find some reason for their existence, and reconcile their existence with a belief in a benevolent creator, it does a lot more for you than most religions I'm aware of. In doing so, it can make this stop on your journey through the various worlds that you, the spirit, choose to inhabit. It can make it a whole lot smoother and enjoyable. I tried to put a hint of that in a song. I'll read the lyrics to you. Uh, the song was What's Behind It All. I wonder what's behind it all. It can't be what it seems. The forest still, the buildings tall, seem real, but are they dreams? And what of all the sickness and the killings and the war? I can't believe they really are just that and nothing more. They've got to be a tiny piece of big things that make sense. And who's to say that dreams aren't part of very big events? So I will go on dreaming and you can come along. Together we might find out how a thought becomes a song. We'll look behind the magic of the happiest times we've known and underneath the tragic to see from whence it's grown. Now, in session of 546 from the book Seth Speaks, the second Seth book, dictated on August 19, 1970, the entity Seth helped put evil in a perspective that, that may help you deal with it. 
I strongly recommend you read his actual words, and I'll try to give you a sense of his message. He pointed out that we have a system of reality that has as a root assumption a belief in opposites, so that many who believe in good also believe it must be balanced by its opposite, evil. This kind of structure is not only limiting, he says, but leaves us open to great torment. Good becomes suspect because we're looking for an evil of equal intensity to follow it, so that we have God and the devil, angels and demons. Our intellects, trying to make sense of this physical existence and thinking it's all there is in terms of worlds, our intellect wants things explained in a neat, logical manner. So we have up and down that we apply to space, even though there is really no up or down in space. This need to believe in opposing forces is detrimental in any existence, not just ours, Seth explained, because it prevents you from understanding the great truths of unity and oneness of interconnections and cooperation. Those of us who have never experienced that sense of oneness where opposing factors merge have a lot of stages of growth ahead of them. Seth acknowledges that a belief in good without a belief in evil will, given the evidence of our physical senses, seem totally unrealistic. He maintains, though, that it is highly realistic. He points out that our senses tell us many things that are not true, and that what we perceive is a reality that is a result of our beliefs. Now, you might remember in an earlier session, uh, Larry Lachan also established that point. He was an established, respected psychologist, and, and many others have made the same points. Simply put, <clears throat> what Seth is pointing out is, if you believe in evils, you'll perceive them. He then goes further, saying that if we did believe in good without evil, we'd be healthier, free of many fears and difficulties and blessed with an ease and a spontaneity about life that would enable us to develop our abilities better. After death, it would release us from the artificial framework that says there must be hell and demons and make it easier for us to transition with a much better understanding of the way things really are. The most interesting and innovative point in the Seth, Seth session I'm talking about <clears throat> was that in our particular little reality, we haven't yet experimented with believing in good without evil, so we can't really know yet what our senses would tell us in that kind of reality. If we operated on the premise that we create reality according to our beliefs, then all existence was blessed and evil, uh, that all existence was blessed and that evil did not exist, then the world we perceive with our senses would follow suit and we'd perceive the whole world as good. Let me repeat that. If we operated on the premise that we create reality according to our beliefs, that all existence was blessed and evil did not exist, then the world we perceive with our senses would follow suit, and we perceive the whole world as good. Hard to imagine, but he says that's the way it is. He went on to say that since we haven't tried this, it's a truth we must learn after death, and that some who understand this in the between-life states have throughout the centuries chosen to return and explain it to us. He also tells us of other more advanced, <clears throat> advanced systems of probability not connected with ours, where the, these truths are well known, and where the individuals know how to purposely create realities where only variations of good are experienced. So it seems uh, we're at a place uh, where we still have a long way to go. That concludes the discussion of evil. In our next session, I'm going to uh, review 
uh, a few basic concepts that uh, Seth and others have revealed that really have a lot of meaning if we think about it. So I'll take the time just to review and reflect on that on those. Once again, I'm Dan McEnany bringing you lessons from the helpful dead.